Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, So we are now in the fourth week of uh, walking through the Gospel of John together. And um, we're going to be in John chapter 4 today. So we have a lot of John left, but I've really enjoyed spending time just in one book. And um, by the time we get to John chapter 4, Jesus has been and is teaching and performing miracles. And um, the word about that is spreading. Jesus is getting lots of followers and there's kind of, there's momentum, but there's also opposition uh, growing. So particularly the religious elite are beginning to notice that a lot of people are talking about um, this rabbi Jesus, and they're they're noticing this kind of budding revolution that's happening. And so today we're going to be in John 4, talking about a story you may have heard at least a little bit. It's Jesus and the woman at the well. And I'm particularly excited about teaching today because uh, we are continuing in John, and I'm enjoying that, and there's this beautiful story. But we're also going to have a conversation today about one of the things we say together every week. I just said it that we are seeking a curious faith. And so the importance of curiosity is one of the things we get from this section of of John. And next week, it it just happened to be really great that we're going to talk about having a compassionate faith. We're not going to cover our whole confession of faith in John, but a couple of these are just coming up, and I love that. Uh, And this this probably doesn't come as a surprise to you, but, uh, you know, when you poll people uh, about Christians, curiosity isn't one of the characteristics that people usually say. You know, when you, when you ask folks, especially folks who aren't Christians, hey, what are the characteristics of Christians, especially in America? They don't usually say, you know, they're, they're so curious. Uh, but normally in the top five of those answers, uh, and typically if you look at the data, the number one attribute that people um, ascribe to Christians is that Christians are judgmental. And um, I think that's a fair judgment about our judgmentalness. Uh, It's, you know, honestly, that checks out mostly. Uh, And that's why I think this conversation about curiosity is so important. And it's why it's such a big part of the ethos of our community, having a curious faith, because curiosity keeps us from being judgmental, right? It's our ability to ask a good question, to lean in with someone that cures our judgment. And like many of you, I grew up going to Sunday school, I went to Awanas, I went to RAs, I was a royal ambassador, Uh, I did children's choir, I did handbells, children's handbells, very not good experience. Uh, I wore white gloves and we rang the bell, maybe you did too. And um, I did a lot of church and there was a strategy, especially when we were kids, if we weren't paying attention in church and Sunday school in any of these environments, if someone asked you a question that you were supposed to answer, the default answer was... Jesus. Every, pretty much every time you could get away with just answering Jesus. And it was a joke growing up, but it, it was also how I organized my faith and how most of us did. That Jesus was the answer to everything. That Jesus was the ultimate answer man. That Jesus was the code that unlocked all the mystery of the world. But co- contrary to popular assumption and to my you know, worldview for so long, Jesus is not presented in the Gospels as the ultimate answer man, but more actually like the great questioner. In the Gospels, Jesus asks so many more questions than he answers. To be exact, Jesus asks in the Gospels 307 questions. He asks 307 questions. And other people ask Jesus 
183 questions, and Jesus answers eight of them. So he asks 300 questions, and he answers eight. It's asking questions, not giving answers, that was central to Jesus' life and teachings. It's questions, it's curiosity that is among Jesus' most profound gifts to us and for us. And that's why we're seeking a curious faith, because just like Jesus, we want to have more questions than we do answers. Right? Embracing a curious faith keeps us from a judgmental faith. And so this story in John chapter 4, where we are today, here's the context, right? It's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, and you may know it, but Jesus and, and his disciples are traveling from one town to another, and Jesus is hanging out by a well while his disciples go and get food, right? He's tired. They're traveling. They're walking from town to town, and he's tired. It's hot. So he, he's literally laying down uh, at the well, maybe even up against the well. And um, while Jesus is waiting there for his disciples and resting, a Samaritan woman comes to the well to get water. And Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. So Jesus had a lot of social capital, right? He could get into the party. He was high status. And Samaritans were um, low status, uh, second-class citizens at best. And then women were another level down. So this wasn't even a Samaritan man who would have been much lower social status than Jesus. This was a Samaritan woman, no social capital. So Jesus was not supposed to be talking to this woman, right? Based both on his um, class and place in society and just the fact that she was a woman. He was not supposed to be engaging with her, but he does anyway. And this is part of the interaction in John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, Jesus answered her, this Samaritan woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in a spring, will come in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true. It's kind of a peculiar interaction, right? Jesus uh, tells her that he is living water which you might hear is just a common religious phrase. You go, oh yeah, Jesus is living water. Uh, but she doesn't get it. She's like, okay, can I have some of that so I don't have to travel to the well every day? And uh, Jesus calls, uh, to, tells her, you know, go talk to your husband. She says, oh, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right, you've had five husbands. It's just kind of a, it's an odd interaction. And then in John chapter four, verse 27, so just a little further down, uh, it says, just then his, Jesus's disciples returned and were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? This is it right here. No one asked. The disciples were silently surprised. And their lack of curiosity is of note. For John, it's worth including in this super important sacred document that the disciples failed to ask a single question. The disciples came to a conclusion before they asked a question, and it was of note. And I think about this little line all the time, and I wonder if my journey in faith experience, if it were narrated kind of like these guys was, 
if it would include this over and over again. And he asked no questions. He saw this amazing and confusing and interesting thing out in the world and he asked no questions. He came to a conclusion. He made a judgment call before he asked a question. I just wonder how often that would be narrated over my spiritual journey. The questions should be baked in to our spiritual experiences. That each of those encounters where we fail to ask a question, where we fail to embrace curiosity, we just inch a little bit more towards a judgmental faith. We were meant to have questions over conclusions. And in this passage right here, John chapter 4, when I was growing up, right, I'm a church person, I told you that, uh, and even really most of my life here, the conclusion I was given and assumed from this story is, um, you know, Jesus knows your hidden sin and he'll call you on. That's what I was taught about this story, right? Because there's a woman, Jesus says, oh, you've had five husbands. So it seems like maybe she's hiding something. You know, Jesus sees what you're hiding and he's going to call you out on it. Uh, but there are some New Testament scholars who weren't satisfied with that conclusion. And so um, they, they started poking at it a little bit, pulling at the story. Because Jesus never says to this woman, uh, go and sin no more. And that's a phrase Jesus would use to some people. Jesus never condemns this woman in any way or anything she's doing. And then uh, this woman goes back um, into her village and tells everyone about this interaction she has with Jesus. And they all believe her. And then they follow her out to go find Jesus. They follow her lead, which is suspicious for this culture just on its own that people would follow a woman. But it's especially suspicious and maybe even impossible if her sexual history is well known in the town. It just, it wasn't adding up. So these New Testament scholars um, didn't jump to the easy moral judgment about this woman. Instead, they asked questions about why a woman would have five husbands. And was that even a thing in first century Israel to have five husbands? And because of all of their curiosity, the newest research, now I'm just telling you this is just a new, this is new research, would suggest that maybe this woman in the story, the Samaritan woman, maybe she wasn't actually known for being sexually promiscuous, but maybe it's more likely that she was actually barren, that she was unable to conceive, and that because of the patriarchal structure of her culture, she was being divorced over and over again for not being able to bear children. Right? So she would be divorced and the next husband would try to um, conceive with her and then again and again and again. She was being abused and hurt in a culture and a system that didn't have space for her. And I don't think it's so much that Jesus called out her sin as much as that he saw her pain. Listen, I'm just telling you, it is worth being curious. But these disciples in this story, John tells us, they don't ask. So just listen, don't settle for the snap moral judgment. Even when you're reading the Bible, be curious. Practice questions over conclusions. Curiosity instead of judgment, because beauty and goodness and love and healing are just on the other side of a really good question. And I think the challenge for us it may be to offer curiosity to the folks who are judging us. 
Right? We, we often repay judgment by assuming that we have the moral high ground and then looking down on those who judge us. Oh, you're so silly for being judgmental. It's a defense mechanism, and mostly it's fair to understand why you would do that. But it's also not very helpful. And uh, I, I have been to more than a few uh, coffees to catch up that turn into someone telling me how they're worried about my theological beliefs, about LGBTQ inclusion or something else. They're, they're worried um, about our church community for the way we express ourselves. I have been to that coffee. And with your family and friends and former religious communities, instead of defaulting to judgment, about the views that they hold, that you held just not that long ago, just ask a question. And it is hard. It's hard to not be condescending or to not take the moral high ground or to not build a new fundamentalism where that you think you're totally right and every, everyone else is totally wrong. Just ask a question because your family and your friends and your former uh, religious communities, they all have a faith that they were given and they're trying to figure out how to live it out, and they're afraid that you might be breaking that apart for them. Ask a question. Ask if they've ever doubted. Ask what's been hard for them. Ask what they're afraid of. Ask how it makes them feel that you've changed your mind. Just ask anything. Not because you're trying to change their mind, not because you're being condescending, not because you're trying to call them out, but because everyone deserves to be seen. Just ask the question, because we are seeking a curious faith. Questions over conclusions, because our curiosity will help us avoid all of those snap judgments that are so easy to get to. So for you, if there's a scale between curiosity on one side and judgment on the other, where would you land? And maybe where would your faith expression land? If your life were being narrated like these guys were in John, would it just keep saying over and over again, then they ask no questions. Or maybe just consider, how often do I come to a conclusion without asking a single question? And then what's keeping you from embracing a more curious faith? Maybe that idea in general just makes you a little nervous. Maybe you feel like you need to have the answers, and so asking the question is um, uh, anxiety-inducing for you. I think for most of us, there are probably two reasons that we struggle to have a curious faith. Uh, the first might be that we lack some humility, right? Humility says, I don't have all the answers and I don't have the ability to see every point of view, right? And our judgment is often rooted in the idea that we know what's best for every person in every situation, right? So maybe we just need to uh, increase our humility a little bit to say, I actually don't know what's best for you. I don't know the whole situation. I, I can't see everything. So maybe um, an admission that you need to have some humility would also increase your curiosity. And then I think some of us um, struggle with curiosity, and by some of us I mean me, um, struggle with curiosity because we lack patience. Right? And in the way that humility says I don't have all the answers, patience says um, I don't have to figure this out right now. Right? Curiosity is slow. Judgments are quick. You can make a judgment right now. You can have a judgment. But curiosity is slow. It takes some time to ask a question, to get the answer, ask a follow-up. It's slow. So maybe uh, you need to acknowledge today that you've been too impatient to be curious. 
Viktor Frankl says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. It's one of my favorite quotes. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So maybe you could think about that space this week between stimulus and response. That space between uh, when you receive new information and you respond to it with a judgment. That space between when you see something that hits you as unfair or inappropriate or wrong or rude and when you respond. In that space lies your ability to practice curiosity. Right? Have the humility and the patience to say, I'm going to sit with this for a minute. Curiosity is the remedy to our frequent judgment. We are seeking a curious faith where we have more questions than we do answers. And this is the way of Jesus. Uh, the Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh says famously, when you plant lettuce, if it does not grow well, you do not blame the lettuce. You look for reasons it is not doing well. It may need fertilizer or more water or less sun. You never blame the lettuce. Which in and of itself is a beautiful lesson in curiosity. But I want you to hear today that if your faith, if your religious expression, your religious experience, if that has not birthed curiosity, you are not to blame. Curiosity only grows in safety. Systems of harm do not allow for questions or curiosity. So if curiosity, if asking questions has not been a part of your faith journey, your religious system, your expression, don't blame the lettuce. You, you don't have to blame yourself because curiosity requires safety. Offer no blame or judgment towards yourself. Rather, just practice curiosity with yourself. Check in on the fertilizer and the sun and the water. And hear from me today, God is a safe space for your curiosity, for your exploration, for your questions, for your confusion, for wherever you are in the process. And this community, our community, is a safe place for your curiosity, for your exploration, for your confusion, for your questions. You should ask all the questions. Ask who and what and where and why. Ask why any of it matters. Ask if anybody cares. Ask all the questions because you are safe enough to do so. And because we are seeking a faith that is marked by curiosity, we believe we should always have more questions then we do answers. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Free yourself from the need to blame or judge or give an opinion. Free yourself from the blame or judgment of others. And today, practice humility and patience as you rest in the space between stimulus and response. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.